0: Hey, what's cracking, and welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And this episode is being brought to you by I'm the Fat Man. Dot com. Good show for you tonight. This is going to be an awesome show. Um I have uh Tara Gessling, um, who wrote the book, The 180 Degree Wellness Revolution. But before I get to uh Tara uh, just a few announcements. I'm working on a post, it um, should be up tomorrow on, on the blog, i'm the fatman.com, regarding aspartame poisoning. If you have not gotten a chance, please go back and listen to the show last week where I interviewed Corey Brackett. She's the producer of a documentary. The documentary happened, I believe it was produced in 2004 called Sweet Misery, where she uh, was a six pack a day drinker of Diet Coke and was uh, actually diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and through uh, researching aspartame, she found out that just by quitting aspartame, she was able to alleviate her symptoms, and I hear stories like this all the time where people are uh, consuming a product, and at some point, they realized that the product was very, very detrimental to you. And really, really, really great show. So go back and listen to that show uh, from last week with Corey Brackett. Very eye-opening show because I know that some people out there are still drinking diet soda, still believing that the way to lose weight is to cut calories. And that's not necessarily so. And a lot of times you're putting putting yourself at risk by consuming products that might have, have aspartame and also sucralose in them, and uh, we got to the bottom of that last week as well with sucralose. It's not uh, a a good sweetener, even though aspartame is probably worse than sucralose, I like to put them in the the same category, but um, go back and listen to that show. As always, connect with me on social media. I see a lot of people trickling into the Facebook fan page. It's facebook.com slash I'm the fat man and like the fan page and you can get updates for the show there. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Pinterest. On Twitter it's the fat underscore man and then on Pinterest it's I'm the Fat Man and the number one. So I'm the Fat Man one. You can connect with me and also check out everything on Pinterest. I have the podcast there, uh past blog posts, so you can check those out um as well. So um, tonight's show, um, I was able to connect with uh, Tara Gessling, and she wrote the book, The 100 Degree Wellness Revolution. Her book is very, very, what I would call a down-to-earth book, and I really enjoyed reading something that was good from cover to cover. She dealt with how she uh, helped uh uh, tackled her illness and what she found out about it and she really did a really good job of relaying that in the book. So let me get uh, Tara on Here, let's see Tara welcome to perfectly healthy and radio. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you doing Darren?
0: I am doing fabulous, and it's great to have you on. I know we've been going back and forth through Facebook, and I never really got a chance to hear your voice. So it's always nice to hear somebody's voice because you, you never know. You know, you. know, I remember I'm a big boxing fan, and I remember watching Mike Tyson, and you have this humongous guy, and he has this little baby mouse voice. So it's <laughs> always good to connect with people and finally hear their voice but um my first question for you is uh give us a little bit of your background you have probably uh a, a really an extraordinary story of how you got into wellness and and kind of taking care of yourself so give us a little bit of your background
1: okay all right well first i'd like to thank you for having me that i really appreciate it and uh You know, it's just amazing to be able to share my story. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, Basically, I was, you know, the average American. Uh, I grew up eating fast food and um, processed, packaged, you know, whatever, you know, McDonald's and all of that. Um, I was uh, in my late 20s when I began having health problems. Actually, it was earlier than that, but... I didn't understand what, you know, was going on, the the subtle symptoms of what was happening. Um, but you know, by the time I was, you know, probably 18, 20 years old, I mm-hmm. was a Mountain Dewaholic. <laughs> you know, I'd M&Ms in one hand and Mountain Dew in the other, and you know, I I didn't really know how to cook. Um, I had high cholesterol, my blood pressure was high, you know, all these different things that You know, the doctors would look at me and say, well, you know, it's no big deal. You're young. You know, we won't worry about it right now. And, of course, this was, you know, a number of years ago. Um, And so that's kind of where it started. But the the big thing happened when I was in my late 20s. And I had an accident where I, I slipped and tore ligaments and tendons in my leg. And it didn't heal very well and I didn't understand what was going on, and the doctors didn't understand what was going on. And so this went on for a good year and a half, almost two years before it was diagnosed. And then when it was diagnosed, it was diagnosed as reflex sympathetic dystrophy. And anybody who's dealt with reflex sympathetic dystrophy knows that it's a very painful, excruciatingly painful, um, frightening disease. Because it literally takes over your body, it takes over your life, and so it was—it was a big, um, a big—I uh, don't know what the word would be. It was an eye opener for me, I guess, uh, and it was a change in my life that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> so, you know, at that point, you know, being diagnosed with reflex sympathetic dystrophy, then I was also diagnosed with a lot of other things within that next year. Uh, including chronic pain syndrome, fibromyalgia, hypothyroid. Actually, it was autoimmune hypothyroid, which is Hashimoto's. Um, autoimmune rheumatoid arthritis, um, hypoglycemia, adrenal dysfunction, and actually stage three failure of adrenal. Chronic fatigue. I had allergies. I had food sensitivities. High cholesterol, kidney stones, high blood pressure, di- you know, gestational diabetes. Um, Bulging, herniated discs in my back and neck, you know, severe muscle spasms, leaky gut. It was just crazy. Um, And the list went on and on. You know, it was over 20 different things. And I came to a point where I was so um, ill that I ended up in a wheelchair. I lost the use of my left leg uh, and I was steadily losing the use of other things and Became very debilitated, and um, and that was when I came to a point in my life where I kind of was ready to give up. I didn't have any hope. Uh, this was before the Internet, and the doctors didn't know what to do. So <laughs> that was when I actually had a near-death experience, and it was when I came back from the near-death experience that I realized that I did have hope and that I could do something about it.
0: Mhm. How did you um change your mentality? How did you move out of fear? Cuz I know what I think keeps people in the uh I would call the 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 real world where it's go to the doctor, get a prescription, go to the doctor, get a prescription. And and the the cycle repeats itself. How did you finally come out of that fear-based mentality into a more empowering um mentality to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to start" Researching this and finding out what's going on, what what clicked for you? Besides, I know it was a near death experience, but something had to 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 click to to get you to to do something about it.
1: Yeah, I you know, as I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker and going into a wheelchair, um, I went back to my automotive training. I, I actually, when I was growing up, and I talk about this in the book, mm-hmm. I was in automotive um, repair. And I rebuilt engines. Um, I rebuilt, you know, did work on tractors and all kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, it kept coming to me, you know, if this was my car, and granted our bodies are very different than a car, but if you're using a similar logic, you know, that if if I was going to a car mechanic and I take my car there and if the mechanic looked at me and said, you know what, I know what's, you know, this thing isn't working very well, but, you know, instead of worrying about finding out what's causing the problem, I'm just going to give you a pill. And you can put it in your, you know, say the, the oil pressure in the car is off. You know, there's a problem with the oil pressure. And so he gives you a pill and he says, you need to put this in your car's oil every day, and this is going to thin the oil so that the oil pressure is no longer a problem. You know, and if I was to take my car to a mechanic and a mechanic said that to me, I'd look at him like he was crazy. And I would drive out of there and I'd go to another mechanic who would actually look for the cause and find out why my car is not operating correctly. And so I started thinking about that type of thing with my body. And it dawned on me, you know, that these doctors weren't really trying to find the cause of the problem. You know, and there had to be a reason that this was all happening. And, you know, because our bodies are designed to function. I mean, it's amazing if you think about the things that our bodies can do. You know, we can create a baby. We can do, you know, our bodies know to heal. If you cut your finger, you don't have to sit there and tell it, you know, how to heal. Your body knows how to do that. And so why wasn't my body healing? You know, what was going on that was preventing my body from healing? And so, you know, I kept thinking about that. For years I thought about that. But I couldn't get the answers, and that was a lot of my frustration, you know, was that when I would ask doctors that and I would talk to them about, well, you know, if this was your car, you know, if I was working on a car, you know, that that wouldn't be, I wouldn't do it that way. I would find out what's going on, what's causing this problem. But nobody seemed to speak the same language. And so I kept researching that, and eventually... That's what led me to finding doctors or practitioners that could actually speak that kind of language and that understood what I was asking and that were interested, you know, and that wanted to to do that type of detective work to figure out what was off, you know, what's malfunctioning, you know, what is not working properly in my body that's allowing all of this to take place. And so that is how the healing began.
0: Now, with the healing, you had. You mentioned at the beginning of the uh, the podcast that you had several symptoms. Um, when did you see? It's always amazing to me that people who come into the functional uh, medicine realm they expect it to be like the the pharmaceutical realm where they just take a pill they they alleviate their symptoms. But when you come to the functional medicine realm. One of the things is uh it takes a bit of a longer time to see improvements in your symptoms. When did you start seeing improvements in your in your symptoms? Um
1: when I after the near death experience. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that I knew was that I was being poisoned. Um and I was being poisoned by the food I was eating and by the pharmaceutical Drugs that I was taking. And at that time, I think I was on 12 or 13 medications. Um, And so I knew that I had to get off of those medications. And I knew that I had to change and educate myself, you know, about the food that I was eating. And, you know, I had no clue about any of that stuff. So I was starting from scratch. And again, this was back before the internet, you know, and so I was trying to find doctors or, or, you know, medical journals or something, you know, that would give me a clue. And so I actually found a Townsend journal, and I started reading that from cover to cover to try to learn, you know, about food. And so I um, started learning again, and, and people come into your life when you're ready. You know, the, the teacher arrives when you're ready. Um, mm-hmm. A girl moved into the area, uh, her name was Jill, and she was interested in studying uh, nutrition. So she happened to knock on my door one day, and she was new to the area, and she was interested in the nutritional stuff, and so she started actually educating me about food. And that was when I knew what direction to head in and what to start learning. So she helped me, you know, I was in a wheelchair at the time. She helped me to start preparing and, and cooking certain meals that I could easily cook um, and prepare for myself so that I didn't have to eat, you know, the processed food all the time. And once I started doing that, once I started changing my food and getting rid of the processed foods, getting rid of all of the chemicals, you know, and, and it was a step-by-step thing. This was not an overnight thing. It was, you know, one step at a time. I, I, I basically changed one or two things a week. It was that simple. You know, I would mm-hmm. replace the food that was not good for me with with a version of it that was good for me. And I would do that one or two things a week. And by doing it that way, within six months, I started noticing a difference. And I actually felt something in my foot that I had, you know, pain. I actually felt, and I didn't know where it was or anything else, but I felt something. You know, there was something going on in my foot. And that was the first time I'd had feeling in my foot in probably four or five years. Right. And so I knew I was in the right direction at that point.
0: Yeah. You mentioned something that kind of brought back memories for me because I kind of went through the same process. I wasn't sick. I was a bit overweight, but I remember having to change uh, different things. And I remember they were um, in In the book, I don't know how you put it, but um, you said you were kind of on a budget. You didn't have a lot of money. And I remember I was in the same situation where I had to make these changes, and making them gradually was a lot less heavy on my wallet than making them, trying to do radical change, which I think a lot of people out there might do. Um, Was that your experience as well?
1: Definitely, definitely. I, I was no longer working. Um, you know, so I was on a very limited income, and I was, you know, trying to make ends meet. It was very stressful, and so I could only do one thing at a time, you know. It just wasn't something where I could jump in and and just try to change my whole pantry or anything like that, you know, And, and I definitely couldn't afford, you know, to get rid of, you know, everything that I had in my pantry and replace it, you know, so I had to do it one step at a time, and I had to definitely, um, you know, be a frugal shopper, you know, and, and I I bought things at the farmer's market, you know, because it was a lot cheaper or from a local farmer that I knew or I, you know, I did go back to growing my own food and, you know, there's certain things that are really easy to grow and you can do it yourself and it's a lot, you know, you save a lot of money at least during the seasons that you can grow it and, you know, again, this was from a wheelchair, you know, and, and some of the most enjoyable hours of my day, you know, were when I could get out in the garden and and I would just sit on my butt (laughs) and (laughs) do my way through the garden, you know, and, and attend to the plants. And it just was so, you know, it was actually very de-stressing for me, you know, so it was really nice. Um, And I know some people don't like to grow their own food. They don't want to do that or they don't have time, but, you know, there's just different ways to do it that you can save money and, and it doesn't have to be that expensive. I really, you know, think that that's, you know, I know some foods are a little more expensive, but really you're paying for convenience foods. You know, if you're buying organic convenience foods, yes, that's going to be more expensive. But if you're buying the ingredients and you're cooking it yourself, then these days it's not that much more expensive, you know, to do it that way. And and the other thing I look at is, you know, you save money. You know, by not having to spend so much money at the doctor's office. So either, you know, pay for it in the food and get quality food or pay for it later at the doctor's office. And, you know, it was definitely something I had to deal with. I mean, I was definitely within limited means.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you eat, all, you pretty much eat everything organic, um, I, I would say. Is that a fair assumption?
1: The majority, yes. Um, yeah. And I can't say 100% because I do eat out. You know, I, I go out sometimes and eat I, like everybody else. Um, and I, when I'm working with people, you know, a lot of times I'll I'll teach them, you know, to go with like the 90% rule. You know, where, and this is what I do, is, is 90%, well, 100% of everything that comes in my house is either organic or I've grown it myself or I've bought it from a farmer that I know, you know, that they feed non-GMO feeds and that kind of thing, and so it's all quality food. When I'm out, you know, and I eat out, then, you know, sure, there's times when I'm getting, you know, less than organic food, um, but I do the best I can, you know.
0: Yeah, we all do. I think I drive my waiter or waitress crazy when I eat out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. There was and one pace... I, 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 was to say, I also support the restaurants that I know, right. you know, are serving quality food. Um, I believe that we vote with our dollar, you know, and mm-hmm. if we want better quality food and if we want that food to be less expensive, then we need to support the people who are producing it and providing it because, you know, as everything goes in this country, the the more people grow organic, the more farmers growing organic, you know, the lower the price, the easier it's
0: going to be to get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh- Tara, how long did it take you to get out of the wheelchair? Uh, I'm very interested in in that. Um, When you started to change everything, how long did it take you before you got out of the wheelchair and were able to be a little bit more mobile?
1: Um, From the time I started the change, because I was in a wheelchair for almost five years, and it was about halfway through that when I had the near-death experience and started the change, so it was between two to three years. And wow. A lot of you know, physical therapy. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know. Yeah. That's great. You never you never kinda you you had a lot of faith, you never gave up hope. You just kept kept going and you, you managed to get up out of the wheelchair. That's great.
1: Yeah, and, and I did walk with a cane for several years. You know, I was still had to use assistance um because of the weaknesses and the damage and whatnot. But I did get rid of the cane. I actually burned the cane, um, (laughs) I guess, about probably three years after I had gotten out of the wheelchair.
0: Wow, that's great. Um, One of the things that when you mention all the conditions that you have, one of the things that come to my mind is being toxic or having toxins in your body. Um, Did you go through any type of process to detox or get things out of your system when you found out? when you started to get a little bit more educated about uh, what you were doing uh, when it came to nutrition?
1: Definitely. (laughs) Um, You know, I started learning about not just the toxins in the food, but, you know, the toxins that were in my teeth.
0: I had a lot of
1: um, the mercury fillings and Mm -hmm. which are amalgam, amalgam fillings is what they call them. And I had, um, you know, metal dental work uh, in a couple couple places. Um, I didn't realize it was metal, you know, I was told that it was whatever material, but, you know, it it actually has metal in it, and I didn't know that. Um, And then I also learned about how our liver and our kidneys and, you know, all these organs that are are detoxifiers, um, you know, how our body stores these toxins, you know, and, and, and that we have to slowly remove them, and... So I definitely, I started learning about detoxifying. I started learning about cleaning out the colon. I started learning about liver cleanses and kidney cleanses and um, dysbiosis of the gut and leaky gut and learning how to heal all of those types of things uh, is what helped me to get out of a wheelchair and then, you know, go on from that. And it's been, you know, it's it's been a thing. I, I call it peeling the onion because it comes in layers. Your body's only going to let go of the toxins that it's able to process. And so it's a, you know, long-term kind of thing. It's not something that somebody who was in a position that I was in is going to get rid of in just a year or two, you know, and I'm still detoxing. Um, I ended up, I found out that I had extremely high lead levels, um, extremely high mercury levels, cadmium, uh, a bunch of things. And so I'm still working on detoxing those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see some people in the switchboard. If you have a question for Tara, uh, you can uh, hit one on your uh, keypad if you're at home and I'll see you and I'll bring you on Ask a Question. If you're out there listening and you have a question, the number to call in is 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. Uh, with respect to um, the... Toxins, does everybody mm-hmm. have the same tolerance level? I know, is it is it fair to say that everybody has that same uh, tolerance level or some people may have a, a, a level that's different from others?
1: I think we all have different levels. Um, I think, you know, I don't know how much of it comes down to genetics or not or how much of it comes down to environment, uh, and when I say environment, it could be including environment that maybe you grew up next to a dump, you know, a toxic dump, and you took that in. Um, that could very much cause problems, you know, for somebody. And, and I think there's people that are actually, you know, maybe that 2 or 3% that have such efficient detox abilities um, in their body that they can detox things really quickly, you know. Um, I think some people aren't able to detox as well, I think I'm one of those. I know I have trouble with methylation, you know and and so mm-hmm. my body detox things as quickly as some people do, and maybe that's you know what put me in a position that I'm in i you know again, I don't know, but I do believe that we are all very much individuals, and I think it all is determined upon you know what we've experienced during our lifetime,
0: yeah. Um, your book also mentioned something, that I'm very um, versed in because I used to work for a company that did this type of testing. It's food sensitivity testing. And um, what were some of your food sensitivities that you found that were actually – and one of the things that's always intriguing to me is that some people think that they're eating healthy because I was one of those. When I worked at the place where I used to work, I won't mention it on air, the specific place, but I was eating healthy. And when my test came back, I found out the healthy foods were the ones that were actually giving me somewhat of a problem. I'll share with people on the podcast that I knew for years and years that I was sensitive to gluten and, and kind of kicked that out of my diet. But then I had, I believe, 12, 13 underlying sensitivities uh, that I did not know about before the testing. But what what were some of the food sensitivities that you had?
1: Um, I've had so many different food sensitivities at one point. Oh my gosh. At one point it was crazy. I had, you know, just a few that I could actually eat. Um, and that was hard. That was really hard. But what I learned about the food sensitivities is that when you have leaky gut, and this Mm -hmm. is from my personal experience and what I've seen with other people. And also a lot of the research is coming out now, you know, and, and, and showing, that what I've experienced, you know, that they're finding this in, in the research results. Um, but what I experienced was that with leaky gut, if you're dealing with any kind of a gut dysbiosis and leaky gut, then the foods that you eat primarily are going to be the foods that are going to show up on these tests. And Mm -hmm. along with, you know, the ones that we know are inflammatory, like the glutens and the the ones with a lot of sugar and, you know, the, the ones that contain MSG and, and, um, additives, you know, things like that that we know are already going to be harmful and cause inflammation. Um, But I had even, you know, things like broccoli (laughs) show up um, as a food sensitivity. I've had, yeah, I was eating really healthy too. And those foods would show up on my test as me being sensitive to them because I was eating them regularly. And so I think what, you know, what I determined and what I had to do was, was actually change the foods and not eat the same thing all the time. I had to alternate foods, um, and I had to, you know, look at what I was doing. I had to chew my food better. I had to look at things like, you know, did I have enough hydrochloric acid? Was I digesting my food properly? You know, I had to go back and look at all of these things, too. You know, why are these proteins going through? Why is my body seeing, you know, certain things that are supposed to be healthy as, something that's inflammatory, and, you know, it really came back to healing my gut. Now, there was other things that, you know, were definitely inflammatory to me, and one of those kind of blew my mind, and that was corn, because I had always eaten corn, I never had any problems with corn, and all of a sudden, I, you know, was having all these, at first I started craving corn, and it was really odd. And I didn't understand why I was craving it. And I wanted to eat it like every night. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, this is making me sick. And soon after that was when I had one of my first sensitivity tests.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: corn was like huge. You know, it was big time inflammatory for me. And soy was too. And I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew something was different. And so I started growing my, you know, I went off of corn for a while. And I started growing my own corn the following year. And after that, I never had any problems with corn. And what I learned later was that the corn I was eating had been genetically modified, and the soy too. And so that was why I was really reacting to those. And my animals actually were reacting to it too, and that's a whole other story. But I think I talk about that in the book too.
0: Yeah, you have a similar thing to mine. I I knew I was gluten sensitive. I would eat. Through a pack of cookies every day if I could, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's always the the foods that you crave are the ones that you're sensitive to. It's it's weird, but I found that out that you know even uh, just eating the cookies and eating the breads. It's like uh, they used to have this steak place where they would give you these uh, yeast rolls, is what they call them. It, used to, it, it was called Quincy's. I don't think they're even around anymore. It used to be in South Carolina, and mm-hmm. I would just eat through those rolls all the time. And then years, years later, I I figured out that I was always sensitive to gluten. The clues were out there. I just wasn't listening. It took someone to point it out to me to kind of get off of gluten before Mm -hmm. um, it became, you know, really, really detrimental uh, to my health. Um, You mentioned mercury poisoning as well. What what are you specifically doing to, to detox mercury?
1: Um, I've done different things. Um, some of what I've done has been using herbals and that works fairly well. I've used also homeopathics. Um, and I kinda what I do is is I will whichever format I'm using, you know, I will do it for a certain period of time and then I give my body a total break. And then I may try, you know, I may utilize something different. I've also done some IV chelation. Um, you know, because with lead, that's that's one of the things that helps to, you know, to move the lead out is IV chelation. So I've t- I've tried many different things. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think they all work fairly well. Um, again, it depends on your body. It depends on, you know, where you're at at the time. And so I kind of pay attention. You know, when I try a particular detox or, you know, if I'm using some method, whichever, whether it's an herbal method or whatever – I pay attention as I'm doing it, especially, you know, to the symptoms that my body is showing as I'm detoxing this stuff. Because your body will tell you it's a matter of listening. And, you know, I've had some times where my body couldn't handle it, you know, and I had to back off real quick. So it really depends. And so, I you know, I've tried different things and I think, again, it's, it's all bio-individuals. You know, we all, some people will do better with maybe homeopathics or you know other people may do better with an iv um but i have found that i've done okay with all of them i just alternate
0: mhm do mm-hmm. you administer your ivs yourself or
1: no 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 i i go to a doctor that that does that
0: you mentioned also in the book and i had to laugh out loud when I, when i was uh reading a book that you started feeling better from all of your symptoms, and you said you went in, I don't know if you went into a doctor or, or something, you had a conversation, and you said that none of the doctors, there was there was one or two that were very interested in what you did, but the majority of the doctors weren't interested in how you actually started uh, finding some type of um, relief from the symptoms that you were having. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That still blows my mind. I mean, I'm still meeting doctors you know, to this day that don't have any interest in knowing, you know, how I got out of a wheelchair. And, you know, I I think it's because, I don't know, I I guess everyone's different obviously, but I I think they're almost afraid because it's kind of like, you know, I know I was afraid in the beginning of all of this because it meant change. It -hmm. meant that I would have to do things differently. And we're all... I think resistant to change at different levels, and mm-hmm. so I think you know for for a lot of doctors, you know, they went through a, a lot of years of medical school, and they were taught that they know everything they need to know, and they received you know the doc I have a lot of friends that are doctors you know so I'm not putting anybody down or anything I, I love my friends that are doctors but you know what they all tell me you know that they only got like maybe an hour or a couple of hours of nutrition and the nutrition that they learned really wasn't nutrition. And so I think it's something they're a little bit fearful of, and they don't quite know what to do with it. So, you know, if I was to give them the information, they wouldn't be able to do anything with it, and then it puts them in more of a, like, a frustrating position. I I don't know. That's the only thing I can figure. But I know a lot of doctors that are now um, paying attention you know, and that are asking questions and that do want to learn. And so I'm impressed with that, you know, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that because we need it. We definitely need it. And also other practitioners, you know, that like myself, that um, are working in functional nutrition.
0: Yeah, you're doing – have you completed FDN or you're starting it out? Or?
1: I'm almost complete. I'm not totally complete yet, but I'm getting close.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah, I want to do that program at some some point in the uh, future. But you are under the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, right? Yes. Okay. Great. Great. Yeah. Okay. I think Afri- Kathleen is, and then I know someone else who who did that program as well. In mm-hmm. your book, you have a very good philosophy on eating. Share that. Share that with us, please.
1: Um, which one? <laughs> because I talk a lot about eating
0: (laughs) Absorption. You you made some good points about absorption.
1: Yes. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people say that we are what we eat. And I say, well, yeah, we are what we eat, kind of. But we're really what we absorb. And this goes back to, you know, my experience with leaky gut and all of these types of things um, with digestion and You know, if you're not properly digesting your food and you're not properly, properly, excuse me, absorbing the nutrients the way that they're supposed to be absorbed into your body so that you can utilize it, then there's a problem. And, you know, what people don't realize is food provides the fuel and it provides the building blocks for every action that our bodies perform 24 hours a day and seven days a week. And, you know, our bodies are in this constant state of multitasking, uh, breaking down proteins, converting fat to energy, transporting glucose, building hormones, sending neurochemical messages, manufacturing vitamins, you know, and, and a lot of that's done in our gut. Um, but this is all for cells. you know, filtering toxins, balancing fluids, bringing in oxygen, excreting carbon dioxide, you know, battling the invaders. Um, you know, while all of these tasks are being performed, For the most part, we're unaware, you know, of the hard work that our bodies are doing. And, you know, we're going about our regular business not really thinking about it. We're actively participating beyond, you know, the act of putting the food in our mouth and chewing. So we really need to think a little more about that. You know, the food that we put in our mouth, if it has toxic chemicals in it, and this even goes for, you know, the things that you put on your skin, body products, Shampoos, all these things. You know, what you put on and in your body really does matter. And if it's full of chemicals, which is what I was doing all those years ago, that's what I was doing, then I wasn't giving my body anything to work with. And, of course, it's going to break down.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. You mentioned digestion and and absorbing. Give us... Just some very simple guidelines or simple tips on how to improve your digestion. Um,
1: You know, some of the things I talk about in the book uh, are looking at things like, you know, chewing your food. Again, we we always, you know, so many people eat in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And when you eat in a hurry, your nervous system is in a different mode. So we're supposed to relax and eat. And, you know, and I explain this, you know, in the book, um, the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nerve system. And it's very important that when you're ready to sit down and eat, that you're relaxed and that you're enjoying your food. Um, This is one of the first steps to digestion, to good digestion. Your body then is able to make the enzymes that that are needed in the saliva to start breaking that food down before it gets to the stomach. And when it gets to the stomach, you need to have the proper hydrochloric acid there and the pepsin, and and there's a whole lot more to it than I'm saying right now. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to have those things there in order for the proteins and everything to get broken down. And then they move from there, you know, and into the intestines, and then things are broken down even more and and absorbed where they need to be absorbed. If they're not broken down properly, then you're going to have – proteins and different things, if you have a leaky gut, that are going to go through that are not meant to go through. And this is where you're going to get an inflammatory reaction because the body is going to see it as something, as an invader. You know, even though it's maybe not an invader in in our world, I mean, we don't think it is, but your body can see it or will see it as an invader because it's not broken down to the level that it's supposed to be broken down to when it's transported through that, you know, lining. And so these are all very, very important things to understand and to make sure that your food is properly broken down and digested so that when it is assimilated, it's assimilated well. And then, of course, we have to look at, you know, is there dysbiosis, is there leaky gut going on? If there is, then those things need to be dealt with and healed so that, again, your body can properly absorb the nutrition.
0: Yeah. And you work with clients now, correct?
1: Um, right now, I, I I have been working with some, but I'm not working with any new clients. I'm not taking on any new clients right at this moment oh. okay. because of the book, and, and I'm working on another book right now, too. But I will be probably in the fall.
0: Okay, great. What's your go-to protocol for uh, healing the gut? <laughs> <laughs>
1: There really, you know, I can't say that there is a go-to protocol because everyone's different. And so, you know, with SBN, we have testing that we can do and we can uh-huh. try to narrow and and, you know, do the detective work. Um, we don't diagnose conditions. We don't, you know, look at those types of things. What we're looking at is we're trying to find where the malfunction is. And then we work with the body to heal that malfunction. And when you heal that malfunction, in other words, if it's a leaky gut or something like that, um, depending on that person's, you know, situation, um, as that healing begins, then you watch the symptoms go away, just like I did. You know, that's what happened to me. As I started, you know, healing these things, and I had to find out, you know, what my own healing protocol was because I'm not the same as you and I'm not the same as, you know, even other people um, so I had to figure that one out for me, and this was, of course, before I ever did FDN or anything, but I found out, you know, what was going to work for me. That was when it all worked. That was when, you know, symptoms started going away. And so, you know, the go-to protocol would really, it, it depends on the person. It depends on their unique situation. And like I said, there's what I always suggest to people is, you know, instead of guessing, We have testing available. Let's do that. Let's find out. Let's narrow it down. Let's do the detective work. And and I'm the guide, you know. I'm the guide Mm -hmm. that's going to help them figure that out. And they're going to be empowered to heal their body.
0: Yeah, people have questions about that. And then they'll, they'll say, well, I'm just going to get some probiotics. I'm going to do this. I'm like, no, you need to get someone to test you. Figure out what's going on, and then you start. You don't start dumping gasoline on the fire without even knowing <laughs> what's yeah. actually yeah, going on. And a lot of people have that mentality that they're, they're going to go out and self-supplement, and they don't know uh, the beginning of what's really going on. And they might be doing more harm than they're doing doing good.
1: Exactly, and and you've definitely got to get that fire out first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've yeah. got to get the fire out. And then, you know, then you can start moving forward.
0: Yeah, I had a, 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 when I worked with the lab, I had a conversation with uh, a naturopath. And I remember, I think she was new and she's like, well, why don't you just go ahead and, you know, heal the gut and and do the bone broth and do all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, you may want to pull the foods out that are causing the, it was just amazing to me Mm -hmm. that her mentality, she wanted to figure out why not just go ahead and heal the gut without taking the food sensitivities out. And I'm like, uh, you, can't, you can't do that because you're just adding fuel to the fire. But it was it was crazy. It's, it's some of the conversations I have with some of these people, they, w- they would amaze you. Um, I wanted to say the, the last part of the show for gardening, because I know that that's a passion of yours. And when I read some of the things that you shared in your book. I had never heard these things before. And one of the things was the fact that uh one of the, the, the doctor, I can't remember his name, um, but he was a he went back to school to become an MD and um he said that healthy plants don't need uh pesticides. Can you can right. you explain that? Because that, that blew my mind. I'm like wow, we're doing all this spraying of our crops, and it's just because the plants aren't healthy.
1: Right. And that's what my next book is about. That's what I'm writing about right now. And and I'm going to have photographs and and everything, you know, to demonstrate and show this. Um, Because I've been growing food for many, many years. I mean, ever since I was a kid, really, um, with a break in the middle. And then I went back to growing my own food again, as I mentioned earlier, but I've been growing food for over 25 years uh, where I live right now, organically, without any chemicals, without pesticides, without herbicides, without any of that stuff. Um, And, you know, if a plant is healthy, it does not attract insects or disease, just like people, you know. Um, We talk about our you know, the healthy environment in the gut. If you have a healthy environment in the gut and if the microbes and everything are balanced, um, then you don't have the problems with the pathological diseases and, you know, things. And this is the same with plants. It's it's very similar. So, you know, when your soils are balanced and the minerals are available to the plants, which means you have to have a bacterial balance in the soil. Mm -hmm. When all of that is there, that plant is able to receive everything that it needs. And there's a symbiotic relationship that goes on between the soil and the plants. The plants feed the soil through exudates, and then the soil, the microbes, then feed the plant. They break down the food for the plants and make it plant available. Um, These are the plants, when, when you have this symbiotic relationship going on and you're not using chemicals, then this plant is really healthy and it's able to go through and produce um, what we call, you know, we learned about in biology, you know, in, in high school biology and whatnot, how protein synthesis works. Mm-hmm. And if that plant can utilize the protein synthesis process, it can build complete proteins and, and it's healthy. And insects do not want to come eat it. You know, insects, they know what their food is. And it's it's no different than if I was to be sitting in a room with you and I and I set a bowl of fruit up on the table and I put a bale of hay up on the table. And I said, "Okay, Darren, come on up here and eat. You know, which one would you choose?
0: The fruit.
1: <laughs> you would choose the fruit. You obviously yeah. know what your food is. Okay. Well, it's the same thing with insects. You know, and they're they know what food is theirs to eat. And the food that they're going to eat is the food that is not really healthy for humans. Okay. They're going to eat the incomplete proteins and the food that is best for humans is complete proteins and so this is where we have a big problem and as we you know grow these foods and and farmers and all these big you know big agro farms and whatnot are spraying all these chemicals they're destroying the soil microbes and they're destroying that balance and now these microbes are no longer there to feed the plants, the nutrients that they need to be able to complete that protein synthesis process. So, you know, then you have six plants that have to be fed. So now the farmer is forced to go out and spray and put more nutrients out there, you know, and these are all synthetic. So they're growing food that really doesn't have nutrition. It's not meant for us to eat. At least it's not meant to keep us healthy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was a good chapter because they, like most of the stuff um, in the book and I don't mean this in the wrong way I've, I've heard before but it's always when I'm reading a book there's always something I haven't heard heard before and I'm always learning and that was one thing that stood out to me <clears throat> and I had to read it a couple of times over to kind of grasp the whole concept of what you know the doctor was telling you but then I got it and I'm like wow this is one of the main reasons why, you know, people are so sick because we're mm-hmm. raising plants that are sick. The plants are incomplete. And right. it's it's a whole cycle is affecting um everyone. Yeah. Um la- last question for you, um uh Tara, and that would be you've gone through this process. If you had to change anything, what what would it be?
1: Um, I would have liked to have gone through it faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's the you know, only you thing
0: said, you would have changed, huh?
1: Probably because, you know, it took me a long time. You know, you were talking about how, um, you know, people like to throw uh, probiotics and all these different things at it, you know, and, and then you don't necessarily get to the root of the problem where you're not putting out the fire. Well, that was my personal experience. You know, I... I went after this thing. Yes, I got out of a wheelchair. Yes, I did, you know, gain a lot of things. But to be able to get out of, you know, pain, I was still in severe pain for so, so long. And to be able to get out of that kind of pain, I had to learn about the gut. I had to learn about all these different things. And that took a long time. That took a long time. And, wow, if I could change anything, it would have been that, that um, I could have learned all this stuff in three years and been done with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But it's (laughs) always a process. It's a process, and you're still going through this process. You're working with people, but you're also you're still doing your healing.
1: Yeah. 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 And I'm teaching a lot of people. You know, I, I teach a lot classes on the gardening stuff, and I'm really trying to teach that because that is at the root of all of this. It's really at the root of all of this, and that's why I'm writing the next book that I'm writing. It needs yeah. to be out there. And I've got photos, you know, I've got photos of of the plants, you know, healthy plants that insects are not eating, and yet they're eating the weeds that are right next to the plants.
0: Yeah. When did you expect that your book will be done?
1: Um, by the end of the year is what I'm aiming for, hopefully. <laughs>
0: that's cool. Cool. Send me a copy. We'll have to have you back on. Cause that's one of the next areas I want to kind of delve into is, is studying more about the soil and how it affects us and how it affects the plant. So I'm glad that you're, you're writing a book like that. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. I'll definitely send you copies. Yeah. The book is the 180 degree wellness revolution. You can go to Amazon and pick that up. And I believe you also have a Kindle version. I'm in love with Kindle because I, when I'm reading through a Kindle, I can just highlight there, Um, and I like to read in bed sometimes, so it's hard Mm to uh, have a book and use a highlighter. But the candle, I just put my finger on there and I read it. But um, what's your your website, uh, Tara?
1: The website is www.cultivatinghealth.org.
0: www.cultivatinghealth.org. Okay. All right. Anything else you want to say before I let you go tonight?
1: Um, well, you know, I just, uh, I'm getting ready to announce something, so I'll, I'll announce it here real quick. Um, I'm going to be teaching at a retreat out in, um, California in the fall, uh, October, um, let's see, 25th through the, or, I'm sorry, September 25th through 28th, four days, three nights, at a uh-huh. still The, uh, it's a wellness retreat, the new self-health movement wellness retreat. And so I'll be putting information on that on my website if anybody's interested. It's going to be a... A really a, an awesome time. I'll be talking about the gardening stuff, and I'll be teaching about the things that I've got in the book.
0: Okay. Where in California?
1: Uh, it's, uh, let's see, a Sylimar National Park, the the resort right there. It's Monterey Bay.
0: Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I used to live in Sacramento, so I'm way up north. You're probably a little bit ah. more down south. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah,
1: it's where the movie, uh, that movie, um, The Shift was filmed there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know if it's that, but it's a really neat place, right on the ocean.
0: Cool, cool. I wish you much success with that. Thanks for being on the show tonight. I really enjoyed um discussing your book with you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, not a problem, and when you get that book done, uh reach out to me and let's get it in my hands and let's get you back on.
1: Okay. Definitely okay. will.
0: All right. Have a Thank nice you. night.
1: All okay, right. good night.
0: Good night. All right. Another show is in the bag. Uh, the 180-degree wellness revolution. Again, pick that up on Amazon. Um, very good book. It's actually very simple to read and that's not a put down, but it's just a, uh, I think that a lot of times with a lot of these books, they become too scientific and the the people out there, don't have a scientific background. They don't have a pharmaceutical background and they want to read something that's simple to understand. And uh, Tara wrote the book, a uh, very simple to understand language. You can pick it up and read through it. The chapters are not exceedingly long. I know some books, the, the chapters can be long, but the book is very, very good. Very, very, again, simple to understand. So next week we'll be having on Becca Tibon and she'll be coming on talking about fitness but more so how she uh, kind of transformed her uh, business into a more entrepreneurial business dealing with women. And we'll be talking a little bit about nutrition, fitness, and how to uh, kind of corral everything in uh, if you are have a busy schedule. She's kind of the uh, the queen of that. So we'll be talking with Becca T-Bond next week at the Same Fat Time, Same Fat Channel. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.